Welcome to Slaying the Sale, a podcast full of practical real-life sales lessons that you wish you learned in business school. Your host, Kyle, is a two-time best-selling author, creator of the Slaymaker Method, and in each episode, he and his guests will be answering the tough questions around sales, lead generation, and all things business to help you transform your sales mindset and move you closer to achieving your financial goals. Now, let the class begin. Here's your host, Kyle Slaymaker. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Slaying the Sale with your host, the ever so awesome me, Kyle Slaymaker. We have another guest interview today. I hope you guys have been enjoying the interviews lately. I hope you guys have been enjoying the solo episodes. You guys are crushing it. We're closing in on over 20,000 downloads, which is amazing to me. Um, And I'm also dating the shit out of myself because I don't know when these interviews are going to air. By the time they air, we could be much higher than that. Anyway, I have a great guest today. A friend of mine, we run in the same circles within Apex. He is a young killer who has a work ethic that is bar none that you don't find very often, especially in industries that are doing door-to-door sales and stuff like that. Um, So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to the owner of Royalty Renewables, Adam Kramer. Adam, hit it. Tell us about yourself. Happy to be here, Kyle. I appreciate, appreciate the good words. Um, so started royalty renewables back in February. I've been doing door to door for a couple of years now. So hopped into apex since the, of course, the same circles we run in kind of gave me that direction to, to branch out and do my own thing. So started that back in February. It has been absolutely incredible, mainly just the best learning experience of my life at this point. So that's, that's the goal with it is just learning where, where to start with the business, where to take it, um, and then how to scale it from there. So. That's that's what I've been been working on. Yeah, a- Apex has been instrumental in a lot of people's success. Um, yeah, and on this show, we, you'll hear a lot, us a lot say, um, you know, you gotta, it's okay to pay to be in the room, right? You gotta pay for your seat at the table. A lot of people have this stubborn mindset of, uh, oh, I gotta, you know, I gotta, I gotta work into that table for free. Uh, no, you can. It's gonna be a hell of a lot harder but there's no problem with paying for your seat at the table. And that's what you and I did slash do. Um, and, you know, there, there's much more than just being at other people's tables that are really fucking cool. It's the networking that we do. It's the back and forth. It's the Q and A's that we do. It's a, the whole group just bounces stuff off each other. And we make sure we win. So that's awesome. But I, one thing that was always cool to me with you is that you were really winning before Apex too. I, I mean, how old are you? Uh, 22. Yeah, holy fuck, you really are young. <laughs> holy shit, you're much younger than I even thought. Okay, yeah, this kid's definitely a killer. Uh, wow, holy shit, are you seriously 22? Thing that you think I'm younger? That means I look older. Is it the hairline? No, no. <laughs> you think you think I can talk about hairline? Holy shit. <laughs> um, no, but what's? I think it's just like it's hard for me to wrap my head around all that you've done as a business owner at that age, right? So we, we see stories of, you know, influencers at, you know, 16 years old, making millions of dollars and stuff like that. These people that are just more personas than anything. And they're just really good self-marketers. But I think it often gets overlooked that people in your age that are actually starting businesses from the ground up, growing and scaling them. 
like at 22 that's phenomenal phenomenal because i, I, I mean that. it's it, it's it's honestly like for anybody that listens to this podcast we've had people on that are at all different levels of business seven eight figure earners solopreneurs people that have, didn't even start their companies yet and none of them that i have seen have the genuine drive and passion that you do like every time we've interacted and, and we interact weekly if not yeah, at least a couple times a week um you love what you do and you're not even thinking about what anybody else thinks that you're a 22 year old monstrosity you're just going i'm just gonna keep fucking working so 100%. take yeah take the take the listeners the followers the viewers whatever Take them through your journey from the day you decided to start the renewables and to where you are now. Okay. So I can even start a little bit before once I decided, decided to start it. I mean, I was doing door to door and I started with a company that was kind of fly by night. It was, here's two days of training at the door, sink or swim. So that's kind of where we started. There was no... There's no CRM, there's no follow-up, there's no, not even a website that we had for the company. It was absolutely ridiculous. Um, within the first month of being there, I was like, I can't believe that this is actually, like that guys are actually making money doing this. So built the own website, a um, couple months in, did, did my own CRM with it. Cause I was like, I need something to track this. I need some way to, to be on top of it. Um, and that worked phenomenal compared to what anyone else was doing. Cause at least I had the follow-up, I had the reminders, everything to stay on top of it. Uh, joined with Apex and I hadn't even had an inkling of starting a business. I just at least wanted to make as much, as many sales as, as humanly possible. I joined it thinking that it was sales training because I wanted to better myself within sales because I thought that's what I needed. Um, that definitely wasn't the case sales-wise. was doing just fine, um, making enough to actually jumpstart into this business. So worked with Apex, kind of connected with a bunch of people within it um, and realized that what I was doing is pretty much just taking the contracts that company gave me and I was already building my business. So I decided to say, screw it. And I cut out the middleman um, and got my own contracts rather than going through somebody with it, which ended up tripling what every single sale would be for me. Um, took the CRM, built the entire thing out with it. From the start, I have, I have 100% dealt with the, I call it the golden ticket. Everyone else says, um, what is it? Shiny object syndrome. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, okay. I, I think I like golden ticket better. Yeah. I mean, cause you see something and every, anytime that you, you talk to somebody within, maybe if it's not even within apex, you talk to a salesman that's got some sort of product and this is the next best thing. This is the thing that's going to take you to the top. And it, it never ends up working like that. So it has been kind of a roller coaster of me finding golden tickets, falling on my face, golden tickets, falling on my face. Um, whether that be with recruiting uh, or with marketing or anything in between that I've done, I'm on my second CRM now because I got talked into doing one with somebody, uh, which was just a, a form of go high level. And then I realized that it wasn't customized to our specs and to customize that they want an insane amount of money. So just ended up building out our own with it. So I think Starting day one, if I knew what I knew now, I'd be a lot further. But of course, I think that's that's what everybody says. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, I don't think uh, I don't think we can say that anybody else would say anything different, right? If if I knew 
if I knew what I do now back then, I God, good good Lord, no, who would who knows where I'd be? Um, and it's interesting, right? So you guys are out there that are listening, and, and maybe that you don't have a CRM, get one. Um, you know, Adam is he's like my go-to for for my CRM because you know I use also a, a form of Go High Level called Pipeline Pro, uh, and it's fantastic. And there's a lot of CRMs out there that are just mirrors of Go High Level. Um, so understanding that you can do so much more with a CRM other than just track your your prospects and your sales is crucial, crucial. And if you're like me, you have all these ideas of automation and follow-up, but you're a dipshit and can't figure it out. And I have to call Adam. I'm like, can you please get on a call with me and tell me what the fuck I'm doing? Um, so, but you said something that is really intriguing to me. And I really want to make sure this episode is full of as much like lessons that we can give to as many of our listeners as we can, instead of just seeing two of us shooting the shit, um, your follow-up process percentage wise, roughly how much of it is automated? Uh, about 80%. Holy fuck. So for anybody out there, think of yourself as having a just for randomly percentage purposes, just say that you have a 10 step follow-up process. Okay. That would mean that eight of those steps are being done and getting your customer, your prospect to the next part of your sales funnel, that, that one step closer to closing without lifting a finger. So trust me, you have to automate your follow-up, especially if you're doing a large volume Automating follow-up is key because we don't want to work in, we want to work on. Um, how about you? Why Why do you, why did you automate your follow-up? Did you automate it specifically because like what I just said, just so you could be out there, you know, selling more instead of, you know, doing the constant follow-up and nurturing? Yeah. And I think, I mean, to touch on that with you, the you said, of course, what anytime you're doing a, a large volume that you should be you should be automating it, which is 100% true. If you're doing really high ticket items and you're just doing, I mean, you're working like 10 customers a week, it's a completely different ball game than what we have going on. Um, every single week, I mean, just based on touches that we have, uh, our average rep is putting in like about 60, 60 different customers a week. Um, so it's an insane amount of volume that we're running through. Our follow-up system as it stands, we're following up with almost 500 people a week without lifting a finger that is insane and, and it's it's so intriguing to me because you know I, I come from a very sales heavy background right started in cars went to telecom medical shoes anything i could sell i could sell um but the follow-up was never automated even in these massive massive companies the follow-up wasn't automated the automation and the follow-up was us we were that automation, right? So we would be the one picking up the phone. Hey, did you sign the contract yet? Hey, is there <laughs> anything else we can do for you? Hey, your install is going to be coming up. Or is there anything you need? All this other stuff. And when I hit the, you know, I don't want to say the real world because that's the real world. I, I'm watching these people and I'm like, how, how are these entrepreneurs, these solopreneurs, these people that are one-man shows hitting so much volume? Like it was, it was mind boggling to me. And then I realized that they were all automating and it's, 
it's amazing. Right? And I'm, I'm only 35. Granted, I'm not 22. But. And then I've said this to you, like being my age, I still think like I'm young. But I've realized there's so much out there I don't know. So automating the follow up was one of the, the key things. And, and Adam was instrumental in me, you know, getting my shit together and starting to automate my follow up. Um, how about we do this? What is the single most impactful business lesson you've learned, whether it's in Apex, out of Apex? What is it? Uh, you can't manage what you can't track or you can't. Yeah, you can't, can't manage what you can't track for sure is the, the number one lesson that that I would say has helped me the most. Um, which breaks, I mean, not to bring it right back into the CRM, but 100%, that's where, that's where all your tracking comes from. You can hire 15 VAs to do the work of, of one system if, if you have it set up right. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and I'll be the first to tell you, and I think I've, you know, I've had this conversation with you before. Like I, being a one man show up until recently when I, when I brought my partner on and everything, um, Tracking was hard, even with the CRM, because I was finding myself doing it all, right? I was doing the marketing, I was doing the advertising, the selling, the delivering, everything. And so much stuff, even with a CRM, was getting, you know, fallen to the wayside or slipping through the cracks. And that's, again, where that automation comes in, because once you set stuff up, it is impossible for people to fall through the cracks, unless they gave you bad contact info. Other than that. There's no way because your your follow up is key, so like it's it's so interesting to look back like and see people in the companies that I used to work for that are still friends with me and they're like, oh, I got to follow up with this guy, I got to follow up here, I got to follow up there, I got to follow up here, and I'm just like, how much time do you spend on follow up? Oh my god, it's got to be 70 percent of the week. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> right. Right. And and then my my old coach, who I still talk to on a daily basis, I was talking about, he was like, What do you think you were doing? I was like, geez, apparently not out there actively selling. Exactly. It's, it's crazy. But 500 a week. That and guys, at 22, at 22, you and your company and your reps, without doing any work, are following up with 500 people a week. That is insane. Okay, so when you were growing up, let's say when you graduated high school, is this where you thought you'd be? Um, no, not even close. Not even close. No, I uh, out of high school, Tell I us. turned I turned eighteen, uh, and it was the it was five days after my my eighteenth birthday. I finally turned old enough where I could go out to the oil fields. Um, which if people aren't too experienced with the oil fields, it was in North Dakota, which is literally the worst state in the entire U.S. to be outside 24-7 in. Um, I, everyone that was back home in Minnesota, it was, if you want to go make a ton of money, go out to the oil fields, and that's where you're going to make it. So it was 60 to 80 hour weeks in anything from 100 degrees in the summer down to negative 45 below windshield out in, in the middle of winter. So that's, that was my, surprisingly enough, that was my game plan was that is I'm doing this for the next five to 10 years. I'm stacking as much money as possible, putting it in the stock market. And hopefully I can get back to Minnesota and get a house that, uh, that I'd appreciate to live in at least. <laughs> so walk us through. Why didn't you? So 
everything kind of dropped with oil um, a while back. And that I actually ended up losing my job out there when I was in the oil field. It was a completely random call. It was literally two days before everyone on site was, no, we're good, we're good. Like, don't worry about it. Like there's work for years out here. Like it's, it's no big deal. Two days later, boom, me and I think there's 40 other guys at the company that lost their jobs. It was, it was six months later, that company ended up going under, um, which is absolutely mind blowing on how much money that they were pulling in to, to completely just get dropped like that. And then kind of just had to pivot and went back home because I mean, I had no reason for me to stay in North Dakota. I mean, I did not enjoy my time out there. So went back to Minnesota, got into building solar because I was in electrical. So just pivoted from one electrician to the next in industrial, um, which with that ended up, I mean, it was, it was mind numbing stuff. It wasn't fun. I paid a lot better than oil, but it wasn't, wasn't anything good. So did that was kind of bumping up a little bit, starting to run like a racking crew. And one day a windstorm came through with about 55 mile an hour winds, which I wasn't the one in charge of tightening. It wasn't, there was a foreman on site that had people that were tightening down panels. I wasn't in charge of it, but I got thrown under the bus for it and was told that I was the one that did it. So they came out to site and, and canned me, which two days later, they called me back. They said they had 15 guys coming to the office and wanted me to come back or that they better hire me back because I was one of the only good ones that was out there. Uh, told them to give me a raise. They wouldn't do it. So I just said, ah, screw it. I'm good on it. So ended up looking for looking for other solar jobs because I was already installing solar. It was paying good. I was like, well, oh, it's the best paying job I've ever had. Might as well transition back right into it. Um, and one of them had a sales position. So I was like, ah, like, ah, I started asking questions about it. They're like, you know, you sound like you'd much rather be doing sales than you would doing electrical. I was like, I have no idea. Like, I've never done sales. I don't know if I'd be good at it. Don't know what that would kind of entail. And then another ad came up on sales for solar too. And I was like, you know what, screw it. I might as well try it. Like, what am I doing now? I got, I got money to, to hang on to. I might as well try something new and hopped into it. And the first week I was in it, I doubled my income. So from there, it's just been... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh man. It's, it's so interesting. Um, man, I swear to God, I've said it's so interesting on this podcast, like a million times these past couple of days. Um, so I love how you were like, Oh, you, you want me back? Well, this is what it's going to cost. And they're like, no, all right, fuck off. I'm out of here. I, uh, the, the last job that I had before I started the slave maker method, before I went into business for myself, um, the the writing was on the wall, right? COVID was coming, you know, nobody was allowed in the offices. They didn't want us out doing door to door. So we had to do everything, cold calls, social selling, stuff like that, which is fine. Um, when, when I ended up actually being let go, I was one of the top in the region, right? And, and just letting me go, you know, I, while I knew the writing was on the wall because we were the last company in that industry that had door-to-door in-person business reps. So we were all, for years, we were all like, we're on borrowed time. Let's just make as much as we can and have fun. Um, but in the order in which I was let go, everyone was like, what the hell? Like, this doesn't make any sense. So, you know, the, the morning came and I, I called my coach after they let me go who worked for that company. And I said, couldn't you give me a fucking heads up? He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, I just got fired. And he's like, are you kidding me? 
I was like, they didn't even tell you. And he goes, no, I swear to God. He goes, you're the last one I would have, I would have thought would have gone first. He said, you should have been the last one to be let go. And I was like, well, shit happens. And then I called my manager and she was like, they told me five minutes before they told you. I was like, are you serious? Because I was, I was mad. I was like, uh, thanks for not giving me a heads up this morning. And she's like, I swear to you, I found out five minutes before your call. And I was like, oh, this is great. So then I stayed in touch with a lot of people, which is fine. They gave me a, a great severance. They, uh, they put me into a temp position so I could start my baby leave. So I got like nine months or six months or so of baby leave, fully paid for FMLA. Then they gave me my severance on top of that after it. So I was, I was set for a long time. Yeah, that's not and the, the company. No, no, I, 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 and I, I'm not saying anything negative about the company. It's the best company that I've ever worked for aside from my own. Um, <laughs> and, and I will maintain that I, they did not have to go to that length and it meant the world that they did. Um, but I, the question was asked to me a few months after that, after my company really took off, uh, a buddy of mine said, they have a, a position open for a sales rep. What would it take to get you to come back? And I said, <laughs> there's, there's nothing. He's like, what do you mean? I, I said, I said, if they would even want me to interview, they would have to be looking at a, you know, two to three hundred thousand dollar a year salary. They'd have to, just to, just to make it even remotely worth even worth thinking about. And he got so pissed off. He was like, excuse me, you wouldn't even come back for this. And I was like, no. Like he got mad at me. He's like, how can you say that? I don't make bad money. I was like, I don't give a fuck what you make. Like, I, there, there's more to it than that. Like. If you have a bad experience in a job, it's going to lead you to where you and I are, to where you can't get thrown under the bus for somebody else screwing up. Exactly. Right. You you can't get fired or get told we're not going to bring you back for a raise. You'd be like, I'll just make more fucking money. Exactly. And the fact that you learned that by the time you're 22 is awesome. I think it was. I mean, the thing that drove me the most that that pushed me into it is, and which I never want to see in a company, whether it's this company or any company that I own ever is just the fact that you're older, that you get paid more. I mean, cause as like in the trades, Correct. anything with the trades, it's all about your experience within it. Like working in electrical, you're working towards getting your electrical license. I was at year three. Um, so I was only a couple months away from actually being able to test for the journeyman's license. And I had guys that were 10 years older than me that had two years less experience that had $10 an hour more per hour. So it makes absolutely zero sense. I'm running circles around these guys, but yet they're getting paid more because they're older than me. That's why I love commission through and through. And I will not, I will never do anything that isn't commissioned because at the end of the day, if whatever work I'm putting into it is what I'm getting out of it. Yeah, that's, it's, it's frustrating. And, but I want to make sure that everybody understands like in, in the workforce, that's very common. Talent does not necessarily equal the income. Like there's a lot of disparity in, in so many different fields. Now in, in highly specialized fields, like the medical field, their, their pay is usually pretty accurate and competitive. But like you said, in the trades, um, I mean, sometimes even in sales and sales leadership, you see that disparity sometimes. Oh, this guy's been in sales for 15 years. He should lead a sales team. The fuck he should. That's the last thing he should be leading. So again, it's just so nice to be in these positions to where we're like, yeah, we're just going to do whatever we want. We're just, you can't tell us we're going to make the money we know we deserve. And that's the end of it. 
And again, exactly. 22. Holy shit, man. <laughs> and the fact that you that you started in the oil fields. I mean, holy hell. Like, this is this is I, this is why I love these podcasts because the stories that I hear, the people that I talk to have the most interesting backgrounds and the most interesting dreams and the most interesting personalities. So let's transition into the dreams. Where do you want to go from here? Um, from here, I mean, it's it's really developing out the sales team. I mean, what what others have done in the industry, and I'm not looking to copy anyone in the industry. I'd like to make my own path within it, but just at least a model that has worked is they build the sales team and then they build a portfolio of developers and you can build offices around the state. It's a lot easier to scale that way. So that's that's what we're working on now is just our systems and processes and get a good portfolio of what we can sell um, so that we can transition into other states. So just at least growing growing as fast as possible without overgrowing is is the goal right now, um, which so far it's, it's, working, it's working fantastic. So Dreams is by next year, be in, be in two more states. And how many are you in right now? Um, to, right now, we're in two states, so Colorado, states. Minnesota. That's right. And if I remember correctly, you're not going to be coming to my event in October because you'll be in Maine. Exactly. Yes. See? Yep. Nice. Yeah. Might You might be in, in, in three states before you know it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's It's just... I, I I can't impress enough upon the listeners how important it is to just do what you're doing and and create your own freedom. I mean, it's it's one of those things. Like, be honest. Could you ever see yourself being an employee again? Never again. No, I will. I will never ever be an employee the rest of my life. Hundred percent. I mean, the the biggest thing with it. I mean, for anyone that's even been. I mean, even just working with as an employee for 20 years, you have more experience looking at business than I have jumping into this. I mean, just by being an employee. So depending, it doesn't matter what age you're at. I mean, I hopped into this with absolutely zero knowledge on business with zero idea of what I was going to do with it. The only direction that I had was that, of course, I, I paid to be at the right table. So, I mean, the thing that's helped me the most is just investing in myself every, every single chance that I get and working on the skills that I have so that I can implement that right, right back into the business. So you can build a rocket ship on the way to the moon. It's going to get built. It's just how fast. <laughs> so you said that you invest in yourself every chance that you can go a little deeper. How, in, in what ways do you find yourself investing in it in yourself? So I set a goal at the beginning of this year that I was going to read a book a week. Um, I, my original goal was I was going to read a different book every single week. Um, what I've changed that to is that I'm going to read a book a week, but a lot of them are going to be the same books because you can read a book three times and you're going to learn something new all three times that you read it. So I've kind of dialed in on the books that, um, or at least a couple of books that I really want all the knowledge out of it because it, it applies directly to our business. And I've been listening to those over and over and over. Um, so that that's a, a big one. Apex, that's another one. I mean, of course, we we invested with that. Um, I've done another sales training with NEPQ. So, what is the most impactful business book that you've written or written or read? <laughs> and if you haven't uh, written a book, go write a book. Yeah, no, we'll we'll get there eventually. Um, I mean, the most impactful on business, it kind of, I mean. Never split the difference was been fantastic for sales. I mean, that has been just fantastic within sales, negotiating for our contracts, um, pretty much everything 
communication based, never split the difference has been fantastic. Um, and then a hundred million dollar offer by Alex Hermosi, that has been another one. And then the other one for actually building the business and what to be looking for is good to great. So building offers, doing your sales, and then the direction you should be heading with the company. I, th I think it might've been you who recommended a hundred million dollar offer to me. I think. Did you read it? Yes. Yeah. It, it was, it was amazing. Like he, the way, the way Alex Hormozzi is able to really almost reverse engineer these high ticket offers that a lot of people are, are terrified of even putting out there. And the, he reverse engineers it into the most simple to understand terms and roadmap that when you read it, you're like, this is genius. Like, especially, I really like his his theory and his thought process on the guarantees. Like, I love them because it was so dead on. And it was basically like, look, as long as the buy-in's there, you're very rarely going to have to, you know, hold your guarantee because exactly. it's very rarely going to, going to even get to that because the customer is going to be so bought in because it's such a high ticket offer. It's such a high ticket. Especially, item. especially with coaching because he puts stipulations behind it. I mean, in, in coaching with you, it's, if you do this, you'll get this, which it's a hundred percent. I mean, it's, as long as you have the commitment to follow your guidelines, they're going to have success with it. So as long as you put that into the guarantee, if you do this, you'll get this, it's bound to happen. The only way to get the guarantee yeah. is if they do that and it doesn't work, which is just not going to happen. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So like I, I tested it out, right? Just just very loosely, very loosely. And it wasn't even a, a paid offer. I just kind of wanted to see what my audience's reaction would be, my following's reaction would be to to some of the offers that I would put out there. And it was overwhelming. It was absolutely overwhelming. So then I started taking that, what I learned in $100 million offer, up to my high ticket items, my high ticket coaching, my big annual retainers. And it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Like Hormozy has, again, he just has a gift at being able to reverse engineer from these, you know, hundred million dollar offers to where you, you get down to like step one and you're like, fuck, I didn't <laughs> think of that. It makes so much sense. Just be honest 100%. and guarantee, right? And it's, it's, oh my gosh, it's so good. I, I was so happy to hear you bring that up. Um, because that's that's probably like the most impact. I would I would agree. I think that would be one of the most impactful that I've read too. Yeah, um, I mean that's just it's just straight strategy for for building out your offers, which is such a crucial yeah. thing with with any sort of marketing. I think there's still a lot of fear around that though, and and maybe not so much with you and I because we know that 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 strategy works. We know it's a proven strategy, and also you and I have the personalities like if we are going to spend money to learn right? Whether it is a Kindle unlimited free copy of a book, $100 million offer, or <laughs> it is a, you know, 10 to $60,000 a year mastermind slash networking slash coaching program. We're going to go all in and we're going to do exactly what we are told to do and what we learn and what we take away from these books and programs. Now, Somebody that just picks up $100 million off the street that may not see the value in paying for a seat at the table, that may not see the value that's right in front of them in that book, they can see the $100 million mark, they can see the price tag, and they can think, 
they're beneath it, right? They can think, you know, oh, that's still a little, that probably won't work for my audience. It's still a little scary, but you just got to jump in. You, you got to do it. I, I mean, I, I haven't, I don't think there's been a book that I have read that I implemented something that didn't work. And that's, that to me, I think is, is amazing. And it's, you know, same with Apex and, and stuff like that. I mean, you know, you got Arate and Lion's Den and I, I, all these other big high-performing masterminds out there. And the ones that are making the money, the ones that are finding the success, like you and myself, are the ones that are just doing it. They're listening to what is being told and, and to do it. So what's the best advice somebody ever gave you in business? The best advice that someone's given me in business. Um, that's a super good question. I've had a lot of advice. Um, trying to think of what Sam has told me. <laughs> Just go straight to Sam. I love it. Well, no, because he told me. I can't. I can't remember exactly how he worded it. It was. Um, it was right after our our contract fell through, and we ended up having to pivot it. And he said. Don't it, it was essentially just don't quit before before you get the prize. Like you're you're right there. I mean, if you're quitting right before right before you're getting it. So right when you think you're kind of done for or that you're about to go under something insane that is about to happen. The only reason that's gonna happen is if you quit. And if you stick around, I mean something amazing is is bound to happen. That is powerful, right? And it's it's as cliche as it is, right? Because we hear that advice a lot and we always hear from these these big, you know, big names and big people that we follow where we admire anything like that in any industry. Oh, I just tried one more time, mm -hmm. right? I just, I didn't give up, right? And that is so effing important because I can think of a million times where I stopped. I can think of a million times that I gave up. I'd write a book. I'd trash it i'd start creating video content i'd trash it and it wasn't until i was like i'm just gonna fucking do it like, like I, I realized that if i fail i still have my kids i still have my wife i still have my friends everybody loves me and by everybody i mean like probably like three people because i'm kind of an <laughs> asshole. um but like that stuff that's not that's not going to go away right it's not going to go away if you lose your business it's not going to go away if you, you know, do something and it doesn't work out. So once I I ingrained that mindset into me, there was nothing I wouldn't try. If I thought something had if it was a good idea, it was getting done. The book, boom, put it out, bestseller. The video content, boom, ended up in selling power. It just you have to go for it, right? Because especially as business owners and entrepreneurs, how many times do we get kicked in the nuts every day? A lot. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. It, it's like it's like somebody is just like down there with boxing gloves, like left nut, right nut, left nut, right nut all day long. And if we would give up where normal people would mostly give up, we wouldn't be sitting here talking today. We'd be employees. So it's it's awesome that you have that understanding that you just you don't quit. You'll you'll succeed if you just don't quit. Just because it's on a bumper sticker doesn't mean it's not good advice. <laughs> that's perfect so that's really good yeah, I like with that. with with that i mean you say like you're reading a book you scrap it you're doing i mean 
you're at least attempting to implement it. And I think with investing in yourself, so many people, I, you could take the, you could hop into Apex. There's a ton of people that are in Apex that don't do a single thing with it. There's a ton of people that read 200 books. You could read 200 books in a week and not do a single thing with it. That's not investing into yourself. That's just passing the damn time. So to actually make it investing into yourself is to take that and apply that to what you're doing currently, whether it works or whether it doesn't, you're trying it and that's where you're learning. You're not learning because you read it. That just gives you an idea of where you should take it. Once you actually are implementing it, that's when you're investing into yourself. That's when you're learning. That's when you're getting better. And that's what I've learned the most is that imperfect action is, is going to be no action every single time. It's going to get perfect eventually. You just at least have to do it first. I love it. I absolutely love it. All right. Well, Mr. Kramer, I am over the moon that you decided to take me up on this offer and join me on this podcast. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to talk constantly as I still build out the rest of my CRM and my growth keeps kicking off. Um, where where can you be found? Because there's going to be people that I strongly urge, if you don't know shit about CRMs or automation, call Adam. So where can they find you? Um, Facebook, Adam Kramer, it's K-R-E-M-E-R. Uh, we spell it wrong. And then my Instagram is Adam underscore Kramer, same way, K-R-E-M-E-R. So those are the two that I'm most active on. So you can definitely find me there. Beautiful, beautiful guys. Listen, uh, again, take him up on it. Reach out to him. He, this kid knows his stuff. And like, I, I, I hate it when people call me a kid. So this guy knows his stuff. Um, <laughs> and again, man, thank you for being on. So for everybody else, I will see you next week. Thanks for joining us this week on Slaying the Sale. If you're interested in knowing more about Kyle, make sure you head over to his website, theslaymakermethod.com, and pick up a copy of his best-selling books. Then head to Facebook to join his private group, Slaymaker Sales Mastery, to become the number one salesperson in your company. And until next time, remember to keep slaying the sale.